this is the Dallas Prospect Live with DDP. Every legend was once a prospect. The Dallas Prospect is funded by viewers like you through Patreon and PayPal. To support the show, visit patreon.com forward slash the Dallas Prospect or become a member by clicking the join button. Now let the show begin. Welcome back, everybody. This is Derek Kirby with the Dallas Prospect, and this is Dallas Prospect Live. Now, this is a particularly special edition of Dallas Prospect Live, as we actually, as I slightly adjust the mic here, just getting things set up, we actually covered the Mavericks game last night as a member of of the media for the first time that's pretty cool first time for prospect i should say i've done it before probably a dozen or so times in the past but it's always a really cool experience when you get to go out there on your own and do it with something that you built now i understand it's a saturday morning it's probably not going to be uh, a ton of people in the house but you know what that's why we do this new format where we run the live show and then we kind of divide it up into clips, kick those out there over the course of the day. So if you want to see the clips from post-game interview and all that with the team, with Carlisle, with Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., and KP, which are the clips I've got today, then you can do that. And you can see my kind of analysis on the heels of those clips. So first in the house, I see we got Trevor Foster. What's good? Devo for sure. Congrats. Appreciate you. Can't catch him. What's up? New member. On YouTube, can't catch them. And if you want that sweet early concept Dallas Prospect badge, become a member. That's how you can do it. That's a simple way to support the show. Uh, you can do it for as little as $1.99 a month. It's basically less than buying me a cup of coffee <laughs> per month, but everything helps the show and gets repurposed. So we'll, uh, we'll start pivoting now into the. Predominantly, this show today is going to be about last night's post-game show for obvious reasons, I would think. Obviously, that is the most recent and pertinent Mavericks news, but also I think there's a fair bit to discuss here in this game. This was a... Thank you, Annette. This was a back-and-forth game that Dallas... They they spent the vast majority of this game trailing. They went to Milwaukee. Milwaukee's overall health and roster availability was significantly greater than that of Dallas coming into this game. Dallas, obviously, with the five players out, which includes a pair of starters. That's going to put you in a tough situation no matter what. Like You're going to be hard-pressed to work around that most of the time, but... Despite that setback and despite that disadvantage, Dallas held close throughout this game. Now, in the end, we know they end up falling 112-109 and had several cracks at either taking the lead or tying the game in the closing minutes. But they never, I mean, they got eventually a lead late in the game within the final couple minutes. But Milwaukee made a couple good plays and Dallas missed several shots that would have tied or put them ahead. So... That's kind of the breaks. Now, going into the game more itself, let's rewind a little bit. Dallas started out this game pretty decently, 
but Milwaukee rattles off a 12-0 run midway through the first quarter. Dallas's offense is very slow starting in this game. It's 18-3, Milwaukee's on that 12-0 run, and Dallas's offense looks sluggish. They didn't look like they were, if it makes sense, they didn't look like they were mentally prepared for this game. They didn't look like they had that urgency in their movement, whereas Milwaukee, Milwaukee beat them up on the boards. Milwaukee was physical. Milwaukee was forcing turnovers. Dallas making some unforced. They didn't have a lot of turnovers, but they were unforced errors. And those are always frustrating when you have to deal with that, when you feel like your team didn't show up prepared to win. And that echoes kind of uh, something we'll hear in postgame from Carlisle as well. But, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't bode well when you're in a big matchup game and you're trying to prove that you're for real. You are the second rated defensive efficiency team in the league, despite having the hardest schedule in the NBA thus far. And yet your record is just a tick over 500 now. And you go out there and you kind of lay an egg like to start the game. It's, it's a, not a great look. Now, Milwaukee, it's not like the defense got routed. Even in the end, they give up 112. But they just didn't look like they were playing with the proper urgency early on. Now, coming into the game, KP, this is a quote from Followell during the game. He says, KP says he doesn't care if he plays the four or five so long as he's the trailer on the break. That I made a note of because it was reminiscent to me of vintage Dirk Nowitzki coming down the trailing three. That was classic Dirk. And uh, hearing KP say that, I thought was pretty cool, especially since we have a lot of discussion all the time about should he play the four, should he play the five, where is he more comfortable? He's, you know, we know he obviously said in the past that he preferred the four, didn't like the five, but he broke out last year playing the five. So there's been discussion there. He basically is saying, I don't care so long as I'm still in the situations I'm comfortable and that I succeed. Fair enough. That seems pretty reasonable. I see the chat rolling here. What's up, guys? Isaiah McIntosh, what's up? Annette, hello. Cowboys X Factor, what up? Yes, sir, yes, sir. Cordo, what's good? So, in this, we have a situation where uh, Giannis, Giannis is dominant early. Like, don't get me, me wrong. Obviously, Giannis is going to be dominant no matter what. He's the two-time reigning MVP. But... In this game, a particular, you know, a particular opportunity presented itself that, again, I felt Dallas failed to capitalize on. Giannis, despite early in his career being a mid-70s free throw shooter, has plummeted off the map in recent years. He's shooting on like 120 free throw attempts now this year. He's shooting like 57.5%. He went like 1 of 10 or 1 of 11 at the line tonight or last night. That is abysmal. Like, we, we can talk about free throws all we want. Dallas, a team that usually lives at the free throw line, did not get there hardly at all last night. Uh, Luca, who had been shooting free throws great this year, three of seven, I think, was his final line there, like line at the line, if you will. That's not going to get it done. It's, it's a weird thing where, as close as this game were, was, there were opportunities. Luca was, yeah, three of seven at the foul line. He's been shooting great all year, but it just did not happen for him last night. As a team, Dallas shot only 6 of 13, 46%. There's your game. You're a team that's usually in the top five this year in terms of getting to the line. You barely got there, and then when you got there, 
you hit less than 50%. That's the game. Luka missed four. I think KP missed one. James Johnson missed one. And Willie Cauley-Stein missed one. Milwaukee, meanwhile, even though they were also abysmal, thanks to Giannis at the line, they still won that battle going 12 of 25. 12 of 25, and that's the better of the two teams, both in terms of makes and in terms of percentage. That is brutal. That's 48%, and that's better than what you were able to put together as a team. There's your game. You want to know where else your game is? Second chance points. Read its head again. Dallas, at one point in the fourth quarter, Milwaukee was winning the second chance points battle 20 to 5. And I made a note here of it. It was something crazy. It wasn't just the the basis of what we know in terms of like, oh, it was um, 20 to 5. No, no, no. We knew the percentage, like the field goal conversions in that case. Let me see if I can find that here. Uh, let me see. No, I'll have to find it here in a minute, but it's, it's brutal. It was something like Milwaukee was like, oh, here it is. Seven of 13 on second chance field goal attempts, whereas Dallas was two of nine. So 20 to five, seven of 13 versus two of nine. So even when you're getting the opportunities, you're not converting. Now, Dallas hit north of 50 rebounds last night. That's higher than their season average. That's good. And they had 11 offensive boards. You know what's bad? They gave up 57 rebounds. They gave up 16 offensive rebounds. They let a guy off Milwaukee's bench, Portis, whose season high was 12 rebounds. Now, he ended up with 13, so he set a new season high. But he had that point with like five minutes left in the third quarter. He was killing them on the glass for a while there. So Dallas's Achilles heels, fatal flaws, whatever you want to say, they were rearing their ugly heads. And the Mavericks... They were playing around it as best they could. In the first quarter, Luka, even though he was finding it hard to get to the line and even though his shot wasn't necessarily falling, in, in the first quarter, Dallas uh, had Luka score or assist on 20 of their 23 points. Luka is leading the NBA in usage rate, way north of even like James Harden. Now, obviously, it's, a, it's not a typical year for the, the Rockets and Harden, obviously now with the Nets, but... That's still something to, to call out. When your usage rate is that high, I don't care how young you are, that's going to burn you up over the course of a year. And how high it is for Luka in the, in the context of previous seasons and guys who led in that department, that is a concern. That's a concern for me. I want to see Luka get more help. I don't want to have to see him go out there and score or assist on 20 of 23 first quarter baskets that or points. That's that's too much to ask in that situation for consistent sake. Obviously, for here and there and in a situation like last night, I have no problem with it. But I'm talking about like night to night, you want better balance on that front. So KP checked out of the game for the first time at the 4 minute 30 second mark of the first quarter. That's what, like six and a half minutes approximately on the floor. Um, yeah about close to seven minutes on the floor before he checked out. Now, he ends up, I feel like I got like an eyelash in my eye, and it is driving me insane. But uh, he ends up playing 30 minutes approximately on the night, 29 minutes for KP. I said he would get 27. I think Rick really wanted him to be done when he checked out with like six minutes left in the game. And the situation late just kind of implored Rick to put him back in, but... At that point, it kind of had gotten away because KP's rhythm wasn't still there. So 
Something to point out here, Luca's driving the basket early on. I said earlier, 20 of 23 points are scored or assisted on by Luca. Dallas trails 32-23 after one. Giannis already has 10 points, three boards. Luca has nine and five. He played the entire first quarter. He would also play the entire third quarter. Uh, KP, he started okay, five and four in the first quarter. That's nice. But KP would enter an absolute abyss for a while. KP would go 2 of 14 before finding a sudden rhythm, knock down three or four consecutive shots, then exit the game for what appeared to be the, the, you know, the rest of the game before checking in late, and he got a couple more cracks at it and missed. So KP's night, very uneven. He ends up 6 of 19 from the field, including 2 of 7. We'll talk about that last shot KP got. That's obviously going to be a big takeaway and a big discussion point for this game. But uh, Dallas Dallas didn't close the first quarter especially well. And Milwaukee made several plays there. They carried that momentum into the second quarter, opening up the second quarter on a 13-6 to run to stretch the lead that had been at one point just two points all the way to 43-29. That forces Rick into an early timeout. The Bucs are beating Dallas on the board at this point, and they're shooting 60% from the field. That's not going to get it done. So Rick does something a little surprising. He turns his attention. It's, I guess it's not surprising. It's the circumstances. We talked about it. They had five players out. They're in a situation where they have to look down the end of their bench. You know, Wes Awundu, who I, I made a video on the other, the other day talking about how he might be an X Factor for this team. 23 minutes for him, 3.6 rebounds. It's funny because someone commented on that video last night uh, ranting and raving about how I could have said he was an X-Factor when as a starter he gave 3-6 and six in 23 minutes and like how garbage I was for having that assessment. And I'm like, dude, he's a bottom-of-the-bench guy. He's a guy who the last two years has shot like 34-35% from three and gives good defensive energy in minutes. For, for a discount 3-and-D guy at the end of your bench, what did you expect why did you think just because you were going to pop him into the starting lineup, he was going to give you like 12 and 7? That's, that's unrealistic. Energy, you know, X factor doesn't mean that you have to score a bajillion points or grab a dozen boards or block a bunch of shots. You can do little things that implement and impact your team and lift it up. So I think he's, I think he's looking at it in too broad of a term in that regard. But a one do starts... 23 minutes, you know, he looks fine. He's not blowing you away, but at the same time, I don't think he's killing you. And Dallas had to look further than that. They had to look to Josh Green. They had to look to, dare I say, a man I did not think was going to get a lot of minutes. Now, he didn't get a lot of minutes in this game, but Tyrell Terry makes an appearance too. And in five minutes, he gets his second career basket on a nice drive to the basket, reverse layup with Giannis in pursuit. Use the rim well to shield from the block, the blindside block that was damn sure coming and right on his heels. And he made a couple nice nifty play moves. You know, he drove to the basket in a pick and roll with Willie Cauley Stein and made a great no look pass in transition or sorry, in traffic that uh, allowed Cauley Stein to get a thunderous dunk. Um, he made another good pass, lead pass on the break to set up to set up an opportunity for Dallas in that regard that just didn't quite materialize. So, you know, five minutes for him, two, one, and two assists, 2.1 rebound, two assists, one of one from the field, and a steal. Like, you see, uh, you see that basketball IQ, and you see some of that playmaking ability. So 
I'm encouraged, you know. I, again, I don't expect big things from him this year, but if you're in a pinch like you were last night and you go to him and he gives you a performance like that, I think that's pretty reasonable. That's pretty respectable for what you can expect. Now, my favorite play that he made actually was a situation where he got switched onto Brooke Lopez and managed to get a hand on the ball as Lopez is trying to pull up. And Lopez just flails and basically throws the ball over the backboard that you could have got caught in that matchup and made that kind of stand and avoided, you know, giving up the basket, but making the other guy look like a fool is kind of incredible. Like, that's so unprecedented for that circumstance. Like, you're just like, whoa, okay, I see you, yeah. But uh, you get some good minutes from Josh Green as well. He plays 19 minutes. He doesn't score. He's 0 of 2 from the field, but he gives you three boards, uh, a couple of steals for Green as well. Now, he did have five fouls. Josh Green was burning through fouls uh, in this game. But, again, I liked the energy. I liked the length and athleticism and the defense he was showing. And, you know, if you're getting a couple steals, three steals out of your two rookies, that's pretty good in a desperate pinch. Now, you'd like more points, especially for Green, who played 19 minutes. But that's the part of his game that's going to take more time to round into form. So, Dallas in this situation, uh, being where where they were, I think they did pretty respectably for what they were up against and what they were dealing with. I think they did really well. Um, an advantage Dallas had as well was Giannis picked up his third foul, five minutes, 40 seconds left in the second quarter. And that comes off a veteran move from James Johnson, pump faking him, getting up in the air, and then jumping just forward enough, not enough to make it, you know, an offensive foul, but you're the one clearly initiating the contact. Giannis is coming forward. He's not going up and down. Ergo, Johnson's able to bait him into that. And that's a good veteran move there. Um, that's a good veteran move to get from one of your, you know, your defensive stalwarts on this team. So I like that. Uh, I liked Luca. I liked Luca um, getting some rest as well. He, you know, the second quarter early on was a lot of the bench and a lot of the young guys. KP, he played like the first seven minutes of the game, and then he didn't play most of the second quarter. Luca got a lot of rest in the second quarter as well, and the Mavericks, scrappy as they were, were hanging around. Now the Bucks ended up extending their lead out, and. Let me see here. Check my notes. They ended up extending their lead out, but uh, the Mavericks were right there. They were 55-47 at the half. You have 10-7 and seven from Luka in terms of points and assists. He's not rebounding for squat in the first half, but all things considered and where Milwaukee was at that point, Middleton already had 15, Giannis had 16, uh, Holiday 9, Lopez 7, like... Milwaukee was pretty much doing what Milwaukee does for the most part, even if they weren't shooting the three terribly well in the first half. But it gave you a situation where you were on the road way outgunned because of your health situation and having to play a lot of young guys, and yet you were there. You were there. At halftime, Milwaukee is just two of nine at the line. Dallas is four of eight, which makes it even more painful that they attempted even fewer free throws in the second half. But Milwaukee was 7 of 18 from 3. Dallas was 5 of 18, so neither team... I mean, Milwaukee's shooting like 40% from 3 in the first half. Uh, and they're shooting 51% from the field compared to 38% for Dallas. So Dallas makes a good charge here. They, they come out in the third quarter, 
and they make a late push that ends up um, ends up scaling the lead down to 84, 81. Lucas starts getting going. Tim Hardaway Jr. got really cooking in that third quarter as well. He ends up with 22 points for the game, 22 and five, or excuse me, five rebounds on nine of 16 shooting, four of eight from three. I think this is a rare case where Dallas, one of the mistakes they made in this game, they went away from Hardaway. He was absolutely a flamethrower in that third quarter. I think he had uh, 11 points. Yeah, 11 points in the third quarter um, alone, three of three from three and yet they weren't continually going to him. And so that set him up in a situation where once they went away from him, they went away for way too long. I don't recall seeing him even get really another look until we were talking like late fourth quarter. And he was cold. He had cooled down by that time. And we saw a similar situation happen with KP. He got going as well in the third quarter a little bit, hit four shots in a row, and they were running plays for him, pin downs, getting him looks at the elbow, and he was knocking them down. He was hitting the Dirk statue shot. He was doing all kinds of KP mid-range game moves, and that was great. You saw some rhythm starting to come about, and after a 2-for-14 two and two for 14 start, he knocks down four straight shots, and you're like, okay, here we go, here we go. But it kind of goes away again. Then he checks out of the game for about half a quarter, and when he comes back in in the closing two minutes, you know, he gets, I think, a couple looks, and we know, obviously, about the last one, but he's out of rhythm. He's gone cold, he's, he's, and he talked about that after the game, which we'll get into as well. He just didn't have the rhythm, and his timing, being only his second game back, was not there. He was, he was bothered and felt like he was rushing things a little bit. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks to be in that situation, but, you know, KP, even though he didn't, he didn't play great, we, you know, he had that little stretch there, third quarter, started the fourth quarter, I think, where he started getting going a little bit, started cooking, and you're like, okay, okay. But, you know, his defense was very good. He had a stand at one point on Brooke Lopez in the post, played great defense on him, forces a miss. Bobby Portis gets the rebound. Again, that happened a lot through the first three quarters. And then KP makes a recovery swat on him, and Dallas is going the other way. Like, that is an excellent play, although Portis does come back the next possession, get another offensive rebound, and get an and one. And he he just killed Dallas on the glass early on. Um, you know, Luca, he, he Luca cooking late, and again, that means he's operating in crunch time, in the clutch, all that. That's great. That's where you want to step up and raise your game. And superstars, even if you've been struggling a bit throughout the night in terms of your own scoring and everything, what makes you special is your ability to turn it on. Now, he's he's shooting 7 of 16 from the field, but he's 0 of 5 from 3 through 3 quarters. And he's missing some gimmies. He's getting to the lane. He's not getting a lot of foul calls. He's getting pummeled in certain circumstances and not getting the calls. And you can tell it's frustrating him a little bit. But when Dallas is making this run in the third quarter... It's important to note Giannis was on the bench for nine minutes. The two-time reigning MVP was out of the game for nine minutes. And yeah, you cut the lead down from eight to three. That's good. But it took a late push in the third quarter just to get to that position. And, you know, you kind of played throughout the entire second half in this kind of 
pendulum effect where you're going from down two, down six, down four, down three, down. You're always within striking distance, but you're never getting over the hump. Every time you get the ball and you have an opportunity to either tie the game or take the lead, Dallas is falling apart. They're turning the ball over, or they're not getting a quality look, or they're just missing a wide-open shot. And then Milwaukee goes down and splashes a three or gets a, an easy play, uh, an easy layup, or an and-one, just something that takes some of that energy away from you. Um, and, you know, that's a shame because uh, you're playing really well. Milwaukee, again, is firing on pretty much all cylinders with its starters, 17 from Middleton through 17, 8, and 5 from Middleton through three quarters. Uh, he's basically what ends up being the difference in this game. Drew Holiday, 16 and 2 and 5. Lopez, 10 and 9. And then Giannis at this point in 18 minutes has 18 and 7 on 8 of 12 shooting. If Giannis can fix his day, I mean, he's even hitting like jump shots. He, he, he hit a couple threes in this game. If, if you could just, if you're Giannis, figure out your free throw shooting that has just completely, completely abandoned you you would be able to, I mean, you're winning MVP, so I guess it's like, how much more can you ask? Obviously a jump shot, but I'm just talking about like the domination factor because you get into a situation here where when Giannis is one of 10 from the line, you can tell he doesn't want to go to the line. And it is affecting him to a point where he gets a little, I think, hesitant at times to drive, even though he's a freight train that no one can stop. He gets a little hesitant to drive to the basket and now he does hit a three on Dallas, and you're like, well, that's the correct thing to make him shoot a three with the shot clock expiring, especially one off the dribble. But, like, what are you going to do in that situation? How, what else can you ask? Um, you know, if that's what's going to beat you, that's what's going to beat you. But he's one of ten at the line, and Milwaukee is, has stops going the offense through him. They start going to, like, Middleton, who's a 94% free throw shooter, and they're just avoiding at all costs, the honest, for a little bit, which is – incredible when you talk about like oh he's the best player on the team he's the best player in the league uh but we're not going to give him the ball we're going to try to hide him a little bit because he's clearly not able to make free throws right now and he's in his own head about it that's kind of an incredible thing that i don't remember ever seeing that about a, a superstar player let alone the best one of the best players in the world the best current player at least as far as mvp voting is concerned in the league the past two years Dallas's second half was a good turnaround. I talked about how they were shooting 38% in the first half. They dragged that percentage up to 43% uh, after the third quarter. They started to turn things around, and you know, part of that's Hardaway got cooking, but then they let him drift to the side. Uh, KP got cooking, and then they let him drift to the side. And then in the fourth quarter, Luka got going late. And he didn't drift to the side, but it's like we never had everything firing at once. We took turns. We alternated things out. And I think that hurt us. Um, let's see here. Yeah, it, it just it's a situation where Dallas in that fourth quarter turned things around. Let me see. In the fourth quarter, Dallas was shooting for most of the fourth quarter. Like in that self-contained quarter, they were shooting better than 60%. In the first few minutes, they were shooting like 73%. Now, Milwaukee was shooting 50%, but Dallas was making a real charge. And that's where you really started to see the seesaw effect of like 
down six, down four, down one, down three. And it just, they could never get over the hump. Now, a couple things you have happened here. KP logs his first double-double of the season. That's a, a nice milestone for him. Obviously, last year was a career-best year for him in terms of rebounding and double-doubles in general. He ends up with 15 and 10. Again, the shooting wasn't there, but I think you saw, again, two blocks in this game. You saw some good work from KP in those other areas. He's always going to give you positive gains in other areas, even if the shot's not necessarily falling. But uh, he gets his first double-double. You get a double-double out of Willie Cauley-Stein as well, 11 and 11, 5 of 7 from the field and a block. I really liked what you got out of Willie Cauley-Stein for the most part in this game. Um, and you get good minutes from James Johnson as well. I think he had a season-high 13 points, and he gets you... Now, he doesn't get any rebounds, which is unusual, but you know he's running the point forward. He gets you a couple blocks, a couple steals. He's 5 of 9 from the field. Hits a couple threes as well, including a big one, I think, that finally gave Dallas their first lead since 10-9 in the first quarter. Like, a lot was working for Dallas, but we ultimately find ourselves in a situation where crunch time comes, and as we know, that was a major, major, major Achilles heel for this team last year, and not something that they could really deal with. They were abysmal in crunch time last year. In the clutch, they couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't execute their own offense. The spacing would go to hell. You wound up with a lot of late clock step-back threes or desperate heaves, not quality possessions. And so that's going to be a real test for this team this year. We see how much they've improved defensively, but we need to see how they're going to do in crunch time. So I'm going to take my first break here. And then when we jump back, we're going to get into the crunch time of this game. This is the Dallas Prospect Live with DDP. Every legend was once a prospect. The Dallas Prospect is funded by viewers like you through Patreon and PayPal. To support the show, visit patreon.com forward slash the Dallas Prospect or become a member by clicking the join button. Now let the show begin. How was that break? Long enough for you? I definitely feel quite refreshed after that. I basically had time to take a swig of water and jump back on here. So we come down now to the final few minutes of the game. Uh, Dallas is in a situation where they've been chasing all game long. They've had hot streaks from Tim Hardaway Jr., from Kristaps Porzingis, but they're just not able to get over that hump. They, they're making mistakes in transition that's leading to drastic swings Milwaukee's way, where Milwaukee gets a three, and then uh, Dallas will score. Dallas will get a stop. They'll have a chance then to tie or take the lead. And Johnson, who ran point forward pretty well at times last night, at one point he took an inbound pass and just kind of leisurely went coast to coast just because the defense never shifted over to him. He got a good, a good roll right to the basket and a nice finish. And, uh, you know, he has a situation where he gets in. It's not a pick-and-roll situation, but you have Collie Stein sl- rolling to the basket and he fires this bullet of a pass and it's not a good pass I, I like Johnson I like his passing ability it's not a good pass because it's to Collie Stein's back shoulder so he's rolling to the rim and he's throwing to the back shoulder Collie Stein has to try and turn to gather it and Collie Stein's not even squared up to him looking for the ball in that moment because Johnson looked like he was going to take a shot like a, a short mid-range shot and on the roll 
there, there's a miscommunication. It's a costly turnover. Milwaukee comes down and splashes a three. And it's a, it's a major momentum swing. You had moments like that just stack up, stack up, stack up. A lot of and ones in this game for both teams, but it seemed like Milwaukee was really getting whatever they wanted in that regard. Um, Johnson also racked up five fouls. There was a couple times he got way too easy of an and one off of Johnson. The good thing is he couldn't make the free throw to save his life, so you were kind of still getting away with it. Uh, Dallas made other costly mistakes where Milwaukee would shoot a free throw. Giannis would barely graze the rim, but it would go off Johnson's leg and roll out of bounds. Like, you were failing to secure possessions, and Milwaukee gets another crack at it. Giannis gets fouled again, goes back to the line, misses both free throws. So you're getting reprieves, but you're making costly mistakes that are keeping you from seizing control in this game. And that was kind of a story throughout. Dallas's field goal shooting was significantly better throughout the fourth quarter. Uh, like I said, the first few minutes, they're shooting 73% from the field. Now, as much as I'd like to credit their defense, Milwaukee was also shooting 50%, which is way too high if you want to win a game or mount a real comeback. But you're in a situation where um, Milwaukee gets to the bonus with seven and a half minutes remaining. That's insane. That's really bad execution by Dallas. Thankfully, Milwaukee, um, you know, Middleton's a phenomenal free throw shooter, 94% this year. But Giannis is abysmal, especially in this game. And this is where I talked about where Milwaukee stops going to him. It's like they get in the bonus. And uh, Skin, Skin Wade on the broadcast, the Mavs broadcast, was talking about how, you know, I think I consider hack a Giannis here. And it's not a bad idea. <laughs> Reach down to the end of your bench, find a couple guys who might have only one foul, guys who don't play a whole lot, and uh, start fouling Giannis because he's, you can tell, he does not want to be at the foul line. He looks like he's about to S his pants standing at the free throw line waiting to shoot his shots. He's one of ten. I think he'd missed like nine in a row. And yet seven minutes to work with. The, the hacker rule doesn't come into play until the final two minutes unless that's been revised and I missed that. But why wouldn't you do that? I thought it was a very valid point especially with how guys like Middleton and Lopez were still cooking and still getting damage done. DJ Augustine, of all people, was making some veteran plays, some crafty plays there in the third, late third quarter and fourth quarter as well. So something, something to consider there. I don't know why that is. So entering the clutch time, final five minutes of a game within five points. Uh, Dallas, it's a one-point game at that point. Dallas had shot 73% from the field through the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter. Johnson was playing physical defense. He was getting stops. I know he had five fouls. I know he had some real blunder plays a couple times where he had a chance during Dallas's charge opportunities to try and take the lead or tie the game. He had a corner three that he had just too much time. He just almost like completely came apart mentally because he got such a clean look and he airballs a corner three shooting it over the rim entirely. Like, he had some mistakes, but he also made some really nice plays here. As I said before, uh, he has some physical defense. He, he gets assigned to Giannis a whole lot in this game. I'm just taking a peek here. I was curious how many people we had in the house. Looks like 23. Um, he's playing physically. He's really making them work for it. And uh, he's, he's getting stops. He's making good plays that are helping this team win. Uh, let's see here. 
check back in my notes. Yeah, in the in crunch time, Giannis hits a, th a three, a desperation three almost. Uh, and then Luca takes over. Luca has a span where he scores Dallas's seven straight points for Dallas. Um, then he gets that corner three to Johnson that gives the Dallas Mavericks their first lead of the game, 104. Not of the game, since 10-9, their first lead. It, it was a 104-103 lead at that point on the Johnson three. And Dallas gets a stop. You get a chance then, Luca with a brilliant find in transition. We know Luca's passing ability. We know 57 watching. All right, cool. Uh, appreciate that, Kent. Um, he gets a leak out opportunity for Willie Collie Stein, throws a beautiful pass down the court. And I think it was Middleton made a great save because Collie Stein's going to get a transition dunk to extend the lead uh, at that point to 106 103. And instead, it fouls Collie Stein, it puts him on the line. He makes one of two, and so it keeps it, again, an opportunity. It's a missed point, and uh, that's a great play by Middleton. Middleton's a great player. There's a reason why before he signed his deal, his new deal before last year, he was a hotly talked about commodity if Dallas could somehow lure him away from Giannis and Milwaukee. It wasn't going to happen. Milwaukee could offer the most money. They're a better team, and Giannis was there. But uh, that was the kind of projection that people were looking at. So the broadcast as well makes a point about how these situations here, games within games decided by three points or fewer, Dallas had only had two games on the year like that. And uh, within three points, sorry, let me rephrase that. Dallas only had two games coming into the night within three points in the final two minutes. Milwaukee had only had one. This was kind of uncharted territory for both teams this year. Uh, Middleton... <laughs> Middleton took over. He splashes a three with 147 left, forcing a Dallas timeout. Uh, the Mavericks within two have a chance to tie. Luka gets the basket. He doesn't get fouled. I think Milwaukee just makes a good play. They force Luka with a miss on the drive. Luka doesn't even argue it, so that tells me definitely there, or maybe he's trying to keep it in, but I think Milwaukee just made a good play there. And Luka had made, like I said, seven straight points by himself, and then he assisted on the Johnson three. At that point... Luca, Luca was easily over 10 assists, you know, start of the second half, basically. It was the rebounding that was really low for him most of the game. And then he ends up making a push where he falls one rebound shy of yet another triple-double. So the last five Luca games, I got a stat on that somewhere. The last five Luca games, he has either made a triple-double or been one rebound shy of a triple-double. Over the last five games, he's averaging 30.6 points per game. 11.4 rebounds, and 11.2 assists. Incredible. I mean, that's real MVP stuff there, obviously. But back to the game. Um, Dallas gets a couple good looks and ultimately is not able to get over that hump. Once once uh, Middleton got cooking, he hits a couple big shots for Milwaukee. They can't really get it. Luke had that drive that didn't go. Dallas gets a stop. KP checks back into the game. And then you have a series where this is where the real conversation and contention comes in. Luca makes the right play first. When Milwaukee brings the attention over, he gets a wide open look for Trey Burke. Burke just misses it. Burke had had a pretty decent game to that point. Burke had 13 points, three boards on five of 12 shooting and three of six, three of five at the time from three. It's a great look. Luca made the right play. It just didn't go. Well, Willie Cauley-Stein gets the offensive rebound. 
here's where the kind of controversy stems. Luca wanted a timeout. Mavericks had a timeout. Carlisle declined to take it. And this is being spun by this is being spun by like ESPN and others as a rift moment of sorts where Luca yes visibly upset that Dallas declines to take the timeout. Carlisle will get into his comments after the game, but Dallas declines to call the timeout in a kind of scramble mode. Burke, uh, Cauley Stein gets the ball back to Burke, who curls around the ba- uh, curls around the paint, finds KP for another good look. It's a long three, but we've seen KP's range, you know, dating back to last year. How many logo shots did KP have? KP gets a great look. He pulls the trigger and it misses badly, badly. It's not an air ball, but it misses the rim entirely, bricks off the backboard on the opposite side from his angle. It's ugly. And, uh, yeah, Milwaukee gets the rebound, Dallas fouls, Middleton, of course, is who gets fouled, so he basically ices the game with 7.8 seconds left, I know Dallas gets another basket, and that then Lopez goes to the line and makes one of two, but, and even then, on that last free throw from Lopez, he misses the second one, Luka gets the ball, shoots a three-quarter shot that surprisingly looked like he had a chance, and he got it off in time, that could have forced overtime. It misses. Milwaukee wins 112-109. That snaps the win streak at four. Uh, I think the story of the game kind of comes down to the Mavericks and the clutch. They made several great plays. They, they executed well. But for whatever reason, they got into that final minute, and they could not quite get over the hump. Milwaukee, I felt like at times, whenever Dallas made a real push to take control of the game, I thought the Bucks, like great teams do, like uh, quality teams do, one of the best teams in the league, they answered the bell. And I think Milwaukee, with their experience, still trumped Dallas in those moments. Every time Dallas looked like they were ready to take control, and Dallas, you know, they've had their struggles there, obviously, well-documented. But Dallas failed to secure control at that point, and Milwaukee made the made more plays, made more winning plays when it mattered. So, you know, if you're getting great looks from Luka, KP, and Burke in the final minute, any of which would tie or take the lead you're doing your job. You know what I mean? Like you've done everything you could ask for reasonably. Now we can talk about the decision at the end of the game. And before we get into that, I'm going to, I'm going to get into a next segment here where I take a look at Carlisle's comments on the play and Luca's comments on the play. So I'm going to take a quick break here to set this up for us. And then once that is done, uh, I'll, I'll run the clips, letting you hear Carlisle talk first, and then Luca talk, and then I will jump in and kind of give you my perspective, my analysis on it. So we're going to have some post-game press conference uh, clips here for you guys in a second. Let me check something here. I'm just looking over my notes, seeing if there's anything else I wanted to talk about here. No. Okay. So let me jump to this now. Um, our second um, half was <clears throat> was great. We didn't start off the game well. Our second half was um, we were not playing uh, unselfishly to start the game at either end. And it permeated to our overall play. In the second quarter, 
that group that came in with uh, Tyrell Terry, um, Josh Green, James Johnson. Um, forget who else was in there, but those guys uh, played extremely hard and got the momentum of the game back in our favor. We finished the half well. Um, I thought our downfall was the beginning of the game. Um, and when you start off in a hole and then you lose the first quarter by seven points, um, you know, it's a it's a tough way to start the game. But there certainly were some good things. Um, you know, I thought KP uh, looked good out there. You know, his second game back, played 30 minutes. You know, that's a lot. That's a lot. Hit some important shots. Um, his footing will get better, you know. His rhythm, his conditioning will get better game by game. Rick, uh, Luca clearly felt like there should have been a timeout called there after that late offensive rebound you got before uh, Porzingis missed the three. Uh, what were your thoughts? What are your thoughts about that sequence? Yeah, I just I like the ball in his hands and the defense not being set. Um, we got one great look at a three from Burke at the top, and then we got an offensive rebound, and and KP got a, got a look. So we got two good looks, um, and you always want to save your timeout if you can. So, um, you know, that's that's the reason. And, um, you know, it, it's very difficult to call a timeout and go against uh, a Milwaukee set defense out of the timeout. Um so I think in those situations, if you can put the ball in your best player's hands, um, you'll get better opportunities. And I thought we got two good ones. Brad? Well, and, and given that sequence and, and kind of the way Luca reacted to it, uh, you know, were you able to kind of discuss it with him afterward? Yeah, I'm not going to get into that publicly. Uh, you oh, know. Okay. Listen, look, we got two good shots. Um, so, you know, and we and we preserve the timeout. So, you know, in, 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 as a coach, you know, that's 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 all you can hope for in that situation. Okay. Um, our second half was <clears throat> was great. We didn't start off the game well. Um, we were not playing uh, unselfishly to start the game at either end. Luca, you obviously wanted a timeout call after you guys got that late offensive play. rebound. Um, having had some time to process the situation, what are your thoughts on that at this point? Uh, I don't know. It's called, uh, it's called decision. So, But if we were to make the shot, everything would be good. So uh, just uh, if we make the shot, everything would be different, you know. But I don't know. Uh, it's called just the decision to call a time. I don't know, so I think it's good. All right, Brad. Well, I asked Rick this. Um, did you get a since you were motioning on the side? Did you get a chance to talk to him? Did he explain, you know, why he didn't think it was a good idea to call a no. timeout? No, not yet. Okay. Is do you plan to ask him about it or? Mm, I don't know. Uh, uh, if we talk, we're gonna talk. You know, it's not uh, it's not gonna be in the media. So it's I understand. Be, uh, okay. Between us. Brad, do you have anything else? 
Yeah. Uh, wh what did you think about the, you know, just the way you guys hung in there on a really tough shooting night in some ways? Yeah, I think uh, we played bad. Uh, I'm going to say that. I think we played bad. Uh, uh, it wasn't our great, our good game, but, you know, we hang up there. Uh, you know, we had a chance to go up in that situation. Uh, so I think we did some good things even on a bad night. So essentially what we have here is Carlisle, uh, he declined to take the final timeout because he wanted to keep, Milwaukee's a great defensive team, and he felt running a half-court set with a set Milwaukee defense was not to their advantage, that that would play into their hands and that it was better to catch them off guard in a scramble mode following an offensive rebound. Again, two great looks for Dallas. Trey Burke, top of the key, great look with a good three-point shooter. Not a great one, but a good one. And then you get another opportunity with KP, which is a shot he's made several times, obviously, throughout his career, and many, many times, you know, if, if you're not putting in that exact circumstance. So he's very capable of that shot, of making that shot. The difference here boils down to whether or not uh, the ball went in, and Luca kind of echoed that as well, essentially saying, you know, we're not having this conversation. We're not talking about this if the ball goes in. We're not upset. My reaction isn't a big deal. Now, it might be a disagreement in the moment. I understand Luca looked frustrated. He looked somewhat demonstrative, I suppose. But I understand both Tim McMahon and Brad Townsend addressing it. It's, it's something to ask about for sure because it's a big moment where there's uh, a not a miscommunication, like a, a difference in agreement on how they should have proceeded. Luca, for that that impulse moment, wanted the timeout. He wanted to run something, you know, get the ball back in his hands. I get it. He's he is a superstar player. He wants the ball in his hands. That's my only problem. If I had one with that final set, is that after he passed to Burke at the start of the possession, never came back to him. Goes from Burke to Collie Stein to Burke to KP. Burke's a good playmaker, and he made the right play. Again, Burke made the right play to get KP that look. It just didn't go. And, you know, there's there's a lot to take from that, but I don't think it's worth... I don't think it's worth um, twisting around or as ESPN has kind of thrown out there, essentially turning this into a situation where we're like, oh, Carlisle and Luca had an argument after the fact. Both guys, I understand why they asked, but both guys asked Carlisle and Luca if they had to talk after the game in the locker room, whatever about it. And I like, you know, I, I expect Carlisle to say, you know, I'm not going to get into that here. Luca essentially had the same message. Like Luca's reaction, the kind of sheepish grin at first, essentially tells me there was some kind of dialogue, and that's not a bad thing. If if you talk about something, it's constructive. That's how you get on the same page and you make sure both perspectives are heard and understood. No issue with that. But Luca's reaction, his initial kind of expression, and then him just saying, like, you know, if we were to have a conversation about it, I wouldn't get into it here in the media. Totally understand. Love that perspective. There's too much, I think, in, in the professional sports world in general, too much sniping through the media. So... I like here how Luca avoided avoided kind of taking the bait 
if you will, for that scenario and kind of venting a, a moment of grievance, which again, from a 21 year old, you would understand. Like there's a certain maturity that isn't usually there. It's not common to be there. But nevertheless, it's a situation where I think Dallas made the right move. And despite Luca's reaction in the moment, I understand it, but I think Dallas made the right play uh, working in the scramble drill because that is a situation where you usually break a defense's back. Getting that offensive board and then getting, while the defense is scrambling to try and reset, getting that look that they got, which is a very good look, a very makeable look, you can't really argue beyond that. You kind of have to understand what it is. Now I'm going to throw it real quick to KP Give me a second, I'll throw it to KP now, talking on that final play as well, and we're going to get his perspective um, on, on the shot. Let me tee this up here. Yeah, Christoph, so on the, the next to last possession, uh, you know, you guys missed a shot, hit the rebound, the ball swings to you. You're, you're clearly open. What did you think about that shot? Did you think you rushed it in any way? Uh, you know, kind of what was your thought process and all that? That's the one, yeah, that's the one Or, I mean, it's a good look, but it's just like out of rhythm because I see all of a sudden he's running at me fast and it's just a little bit of that feel that, that I need to still find where I don't need to rush that shot. I, I shot also one in the first half uh, because the time was running uh, down shot clock and I kind of rushed the shot and airballed it. And after that, I'm like, even even if the clock is running down, I had actually like two or three more seconds. Even if the clock is running down, then I still don't need to rush the shot. There's a bigger chance that I rush it and I miss it than there is that it's that one zero point one second is going to change if I'm if it counts or doesn't count. You know, so kind of that was my that was my thought process right now when I was in the locker room and and, and that look. Yeah, I mean. Could have, could have, I mean, I could have made that shot too. Just take my time, knock it down, and and you know we're up one, or or I think it was yeah we're down two at that moment. So um, just yeah, just out of rhythm, and 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 that's it. Keep keep putting in the work, and sooner or later uh, I'm gonna be playing at the level I need to be playing at. Uh, Brian. So again, good perspective from Christoph Porzingis here. I really appreciate KP's honesty and uh, openness with the media. He's very open about things, whether he's talking about, you know, exactly what's going through his head or his kind of analysis or assessment of his game, whether it's good or bad, he's always insightful and he's always open. You know, some guys are kind of reserved. They're kind of closed off or they give sort of answers that keep you at a distance. I think KP is always willing and welcome to let people into his head and let them know, like, you know, this is what I saw. This is what I think of it. And he, he, own, he takes ownership. He'll say, like, I got to be better. I, I have to make that shot. I have to be better. And I think that'll come with repetition. My rhythm is off. You know, I, I had a great look. It's a shot I've made, but I saw the closeout coming. And having not played much in so long, I rushed it. And I knew as I was doing it that I was rushing it. And it's just one of those things that it happens. I really appreciate that. Um, and I also like, I don't know if it was in that clip exactly, but uh, Kevin Gray Jr. of 105.3 The Fan uh, was also in there. 
And I'll probably end up doing a, a, a collaboration at some point with Kevin as a guest on here, or I'll make an appearance on his channel as well, which you should check out. Uh, I think it's called The Gray Area. I, I want to get that title right. I'll, I'll check it in here in a bit. But uh, he asked KP starting out, like, how do you feel physically being your second game back and playing about 30 minutes? KP basically says, physically, I'm feeling fine. Felt fresh after last game. And he basically says he was surprised by how many minutes he got in this game. And that had he had known he would have played this many minutes, uh, he might have, um, you know, approached it a little bit more differently, a little more calmly. And again, that's, I think that's great, honest insight that you just don't get a lot of from a lot of athletes, you know, and it's, it's refreshing. Um, KP was then asked, and I, I won't play this clip because I don't want to make this just a complete barrage clip show for you guys, but uh, KP was then asked as well, and this was asked by Tim McMahon to both Kristaps Porzingis and earlier Rick Carlisle, and he basically said, um, McMahon asked, what's the balance between being aggressive and hunting your own shots? And he's referring to KP shooting two of four, or excuse me, two of 14 earlier in the game, and you know, he got cooking a little bit late, made four straight shots, and that's great. But what's the balance between that? Because when you're shooting six of 19 and two of seven or whatever it was from three, you're not feeling it. And, you know, early on, he just kind of kept digging that hole, trying to climb out of it. And Carlisle points out, you know, um, we ran plays for him. You got to understand he hasn't played in five months. So, of course, he's got that that want and will to dig his way out of there. And it's a balancing act, of course, but you know, it's something we trust KP to do essentially. And I'm paraphrasing obviously, but KP kind of expounding on that said, and this is uh, a paraphrase quote here as well. There's gotta be a balance. You want to be aggressive, but you want to be aggressive in situations you're comfortable with and in pretty honest, simple, concise answer there from Porzingis. I like it. Um, I think KP, I think health-wise, he is 100%. Uh, I, I just catch a glance of Barry in the comments there. I think he is health-wise 100%. I think it's just rust. Guys, he hasn't played. This is his second game of the season. He didn't play for five months at full speed, and now he's played a couple times in a few days. Like He's working his way back. I actually thought at one point when he checked out of the game with 27 minutes, I was like, oh, damn. I hit the nail on the head earlier today when I did that show with James, and I said I thought he'd play 27 minutes tonight until he checked back in in those final two minutes, which I think was just a situational thing. I was like, I nailed it. But yeah, KP, um, KP's great, man. He, he ended that answer to that question basically saying, quote, I want to take a lot of responsibility for this one. And he's talking about um, basically missing that opportunity in those closing moments with that shot. Um, you know, that's a leadership thing. That's a, that's a star player type response, basically saying, you know, I'm going to get better. I'm going to, um, I'm going to get better. He talked about good look, rhythm, not there, defender closing in, just got to keep working at it and I'll get to where I need to be. I like that. I like that perspective from KP. So let me do a check here, see where I am on the run sheet now. I feel like I've jumped around a little bit. Mm. Yeah, so my third segment I had teed up. 
and I'll, I can still go into it if you guys want. I've already been running an hour. Uh, is talking about the roster being depleted, uh, kind of reaction from guys like Rick Carlisle and Tim Hardaway Jr. And there's a, there's a comment from Luca. I can paraphrase that, but Luca was pretty brief on that before transitioning into a bigger idea here um, regarding the team and how they, how they performed while shorthanded, badly shorthanded in Milwaukee at much more so um, full strength. And then I was going to go into James Johnson and some great comments from Luca on that. So give me, I guess, just one quick second here. I will tee up, I will tee up the comment from Carlisle on, um, w you know, trying to win while severely shorthanded. I actually think, in all honesty, that Hardaway has the better comment here. But I'll play both for perspective. Thank you. Yeah, Rick, uh, actually, I mean, you, you guys kind of uh, had a pretty good game that, that just, you know, you got beat by a couple of three-pointers from Middleton. But overall, how do you feel like you're kind of uh, holding the fort down while, uh, you know, really severely shorthanded? Well, a lot of guys are stepping up into um, higher levels of responsibility and doing a good job. You know, Wes Awundu is doing a good job as a starter. Green's giving us good minutes. You know, tonight Tyrell Terry, you know, came off and I think he was a plus in his six or eight minutes or whatever it was. Um, and uh, so, look, that's that's why you have a team. That's why you have 17 guys, you know, try to get them all ready, um, believe in them all. And, and, you know, knowing that, you know, during the course of an NBA season, there's going to be situations like this. Uh, all right, Rick, Tim? Yeah, right here. Okay, Kevin? Hey, good evening, Tim. Uh, got you, guys got yourselves back in it in the third quarter. You had 13 points there. In the third quarters this year, it seems like you've been able to find a rhythm in those quarters. What's it about those third quarters that you've been able to get yourself in that kind of rhythm in those quarters there? Uh, just coming out, uh, not being aggressive. You, you know, you know, once halftime is over, you kind of get the idea of how teams are playing you at that point. So uh, just try to pick and choose your spots wisely. And um, when the ball comes to you, just be confident and knock it down. And it's great that your teammates are finding you uh, once you get once you get it rolling, your numbers fall. Hey Tim, uh, that lineup you played with middle of the second quarter with the rookies James and Willie. What have you thought about how the rookies have handled uh, you know this extra responsibility with you guys being shorthanded, and especially after such a chaotic offseason and start to their careers? I mean, they did an amazing job when it came in the game. Uh, it's a um, it's hard when you know when you're a rookie, you getting thrown into the fire, especially with the circumstances we're dealing with right now, and you're playing against arguably one of the best teams in the league by far. So um, they came in there and they gave us that spark when we were down 13-14 in the second quarter, and, uh, and and with that, you know, them coming in and bringing that energy just like they do in practice. Um, it's a little bit them not knowing what they're doing out there, but you know they're running and, and gunning and 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 getting their feet wet and 
and and they're knowing and finding the rhythm of the game and it, it was beautiful to watch so i'm very 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 happy that you know they came out there and produced for us Cam, how difficult is it trying to win these games with five without five guys that probably will be getting a lot of minutes you said what now sorry i didn't hear sorry how, how hard is it trying to win these games without five of these guys that was not in the lineup tonight that probably will be getting a lot of minutes yeah um it's tough, man. Uh, like I said, you know, this COVID thing is really uh, um, messing with some of these teams, but, you know, it's next man up. Uh, we're going to hold it down for them before, until they get back. Or we're going to keep competing. And, uh, and uh, like I said, it's next man up. Okay. That's it. Thank God I go home. So Hardaway and Carlisle both with high praise for the Mavericks rookies and some of the younger guys on the end of the bench. You got you like that in a veteran leader uh, giving credit to and acknowledging what some of these guys are doing. The Mavericks did have to call on Josh Green and Tyrell Terry in a in a precarious situation where you wouldn't ideally like to run some of uh, some of your young guys on the road. And granted, there's no crowd there right now, but on the road. Uh, against the Bucks, the best team, one of the best teams uh, in the league, certainly one of the best in the Eastern Conference as well. So it's uh, it's really a tough situation um, to put anyone in, let alone guys with so little experience and polish. And Tyrell Terry played in just his sixth game last night. He had one career basket coming in. Still hasn't hit a three. They've both been layups. He hit one last night uh, over Giannis, or rather around Giannis. So... Very good perspective. Um, I like the leadership there. I did think it was funny as well. Hardaway had one of the shortest post-game pressers, and yet you could just tell he just was like, oh, thank God I can go home. Like he, he did not really care to talk after a loss, which I think is also kind of a veteran move as well. Like you do what you're obligated to, and then you're like, all right, on with it. You know, let's, let's get to the next thing. So interesting perspective there. Um, obviously, the health and safety protocol stuff is a big impact, but as he said, it's next man up can't make excuses you just got to roll because no one's going to slap an asterisk on this season they didn't do it last season they're not going to do it this season now fans and media might discuss that and debate that but the nba is not going to do it (laughs) they're not going to treat this like the the barry bonds home run record where they slap an asterisk on it uh it's going to be just straightforward uh this is what happened this is who won doesn't matter what the circumstances were so it is what it is. Next man up, you just got to deal with it. The Mavericks, they uh, they were severely underhanded, but you know what? In the end, they had a really good chance to get this one. And that's why it's a little frustrating. Because even though they shouldn't have had a chance between the second chance points, between getting out-rebounded again, uh, all that, they still found themselves in a situation to get a win. And they had several cracks at it. Now, you can say part of that still came down to, despite their improvements on the offensive end and really in crunch time in general, you can say, hey, that just boils down to whether or not they're able to seal the deal. And even though they made progress, even though they looked good through much of crunch time, literally the final minute 12 or whatever it was, things didn't go right. They missed opportunities. They didn't have any silly turnovers or mistakes, but they missed good looks and several of them. That's fair. That's honest. I still think this team's going to have to grow and learn a little bit in that respect. I think they're up to the challenge, 
but they're going to have to learn and grow into that. And part of it will just come with repetition. Part of that will come with uh, KP and Luca finding their gel together again. KP knocking the rust off, which might take time. People need to be patient and understand he's going to have some rough shooting starts early in the year. I know he looked really efficient for the most part two game or two days ago, whatever it was when they played against Charlotte. You can't expect that every time. It's like for most of this game, the rust that we expected against Charlotte was here instead. He got some rhythm going, and that's good, but he's going to have to find a rhythm and continually work and fine-tune everything before he can put it together. Um, I wanted it as well. I'm not going to play the final clip here. I'm just going to give you uh, some insight into everything with James Johnson, who, again, season-high 13 points, played really good defense, I think, on Giannis, uh, played some good defense on Brooke Lopez as well, ran the point forward. Like, he was asked to do a lot in this game. And Luca, in talking about... Um, in talking about James Johnson said, and this is a paraphrase, he's been great on both ends. He helps us a lot. I'm glad we have him. Now that's talking about the question was essentially asking about his impact and what he's brought to this team. Uh, even just beyond, you know, what we see, like it's not just the edge and attitude and defensive um, kind of culture. He's kind of helped captivate or cultivate, I should say here, but also his ability. You know, he hit the big shot that finally put Dallas ahead off the Aluka assist that put Dallas ahead for the first time in the game at 104-103, rather first time since 10-9 in the first quarter. He hit some big shots. He made some, yeah, he had a couple mistakes for sure, no doubt. But he made some big plays, played good defense, and he made guys like Giannis and Lopez work. Whatever he was asked to do in this game, he did it, and he generally did it well. So... Having someone like that, that's that's key. That's critical. Luca says, you know, he's he's a great player. He can do a lot of things, even things that, um, you know, he hasn't been asked to do a lot of overall in the season, but you saw little bits of them here in this game. So very good passer. He plays the three, four, and a small ball lineup. He could play the five if he absolutely had to. He's not, he's not like that size, but he's got the, the toughness and the physicality and the edge about him. Uh, that's invaluable to your team. And James and I talked about that yesterday, just kind of how how good it is, how beneficial it is to have a guy like that on your team. But essentially, this is going to, I think, wrap up the show here. If you guys have a couple of quick questions, feel free to hit me with them here. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can support us on Patreon, as I point the wrong way, patreon.com slash the Dallas Prospect. You can become a member uh, on YouTube, either either route you go, you can support us for as little as two bucks a month, like basically the equivalent of not even a cup of coffee a month. Anything helps helps the show grow. Everything invests right back into prospect, whether it's new equipment such as the mic, whether it's uh, you know new boom mic, camera, whatever. There's all kinds of stuff that I have planned for this upcoming year that I'm rolling out and your guys continued support, you know, it goes a long way. It really does. Everything goes back into it. Uh, other simple ways you can do it. You can buy the merch on represent.com slash store slash, uh, the Dallas prospect, or just simply drop a like comment, subscribe, share the video with your fellow Mavs fans or even NBA fans. You know, we, 
we can talk to whatever we need to talk to. But this was a this was a really cool experience. I've covered Mavs games before, dozens of them. This is the first time I got to do it as a credentialed media member. And granted, these are different times right now because of the pandemic. But this is the first time I got to do this on my merit for just my platform. Prospect is, you know, I, I collaborate with different people and stuff like that. And I've had any on the show a whole bunch. He's the closest thing to a co-host I have. I don't know if he's still in the chat, but closest thing to a co-host I have. And uh, other than that, man, it's just me. The editing, the the writing, whether it's the website, the video production, everything is just me in this office space. So to even get to this point where um, that's where I am, that's that's awesome. Is YouTube turning down volume by default now? Is my volume going down? Because it shouldn't. My volume and everything looks fine on my end. So I don't know. Somebody let them know if, or let me know if you're seeing that as well. But uh, yeah, this is this is an interesting experience here. And I look forward to doing this more. We're going to keep growing the show. We're going to keep working and see where we go. But there's all kinds of different ways you can support us. Uh, again, I'll throw these links real quick here in the chat for if you want to... Support prospect, volume too low. I don't know what that's about. Interesting. I don't know what that's about. I will work to rectify that and see what's going on. But uh, that's going to do it for my time, guys. I'm going to wrap this up, especially if technical stuff's trying to creep in in the final minute. Uh, if you like this, don't forget to drop a like, leave a comment below, subscribe to the Dallas Prospect, and until next time, remember, every legend was once a prospect. Peace. This is the Dallas Prospect Live with DDP. Every legend was once a prospect. The Dallas Prospect is funded by viewers like you through Patreon and PayPal. To support the show, visit patreon.com forward slash the Dallas Prospect or become a member by clicking the join button. Now let the show begin.